Welcome to Chatting with Chemeketa, the show where we talk about everything related to college. Whether you're someone considering coming to Chemeketa, a current student, an alumnus, a member of the community, or part of our local business and industry, we've got you covered. I'm Jessica Howard, the president of Chemeketa. And I'm Les Wilgus. Have you ever noticed that every college and university has their own system for numbering courses? Have you? I have. (laughs) It can get a little confusing, especially if you want to transfer to university from a community college. That's right, Les. So today we've invited Tracy Hodgson to the program to talk about this very issue. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me, Les and Jessica. Well, and Tracy is one of our amazing faculty members. And Tracy, you teach in history. Is that correct? That's correct. Do you have a specialty within history? Yes, the early part of the U.S. nation. They call it the early republic, the late 1700s. Oh, no kidding. And the early 1800s. I don't teach a class specifically on that here now, <laughs> but I do love teaching that part more than any other part of the U.S. Oh, I history. bet. That sounds wonderful. Well, you know, common course numbering is one of those, I would call it a best practice to help students transfer into university from community college, between community colleges, between universities. It seems like sort of common sense, common course numbering, common sense. But in many cases, institutions have sort of evolved on their own. And so they've kind of created it from the ground up, which means they're invested in it. And uh, it doesn't mean that one's better than the other. But it certainly means that it can be really tricky when you transfer. So I know that this has been uh, a topic for Oregon of late, and I think it's exciting what's happened. So Tracy, tell us what's been going on. Yes. So not only am I a history professor, but I've been serving on the Transfer Council of the state. It was created by state law in 2021, and it's a part of the Higher Education Coordinating Commission, the HEC. And our goal is to make things easier Um, Students coming in to Chemeketa don't usually understand the the variety and the differences between the universities. They have no idea that it might be a challenge for them to transfer their courses or that maybe some courses won't ultimately be counted and they'll have to take other courses. This is a really shocking thing. And right now, it's really important for you to know where you're transferring to, and you have to know that before you know for sure what classes you should take at Chemeketa. And that's a problem. A lot of our students don't know. And we're located in Salem. They could easily go to Western Oregon or OSU, very likely, but they're only an hour away from Portland State or University of Oregon. So there's a lot of different places our students go. So that question is harder for our students than a lot of other students where there's an obvious university in the area. Um, So the Transfer Council is trying to make that easier. And one way they're trying to make that easier is by having courses that have the same number, name, and outcomes. And they're the same at all the 17 colleges and universities. And that will guarantee the students, if they take those courses, they will transfer. And it will be like you've taken the class at the university. Um, And that's starting this fall. Uh, Students will see a Z behind a course number, and that means that that's a course that will be transferred. Um, Math and writing, and there's some communications as well as statistics are going to be there. And that's going to help students plan. And even if they don't know where they're going to transfer yet, if they take those courses, they can feel safe that that class isn't going to be um, uh, not used. 
in their course. Right. And this is part of um, a, a larger effort to improve the abilities for students mm-hmm. to transfer. And when you think about the student who doesn't start at the university at which they finish, um, you know, there, there's all these opportunities to end up having to retake things, and it means more time to degree, and it certainly means more cost. So for the student who has fewer means, this is a real barrier, and it can mean the difference between finishing and not finishing. So we have common course numbering. We also have an effort to try to align our lower division curriculum through major transfer maps. Is that something that the Transfer Council is also working on, or is that a different? Yes, absolutely. And one of our main job is to get faculty from university and community colleges on all of these subcommittees that work on it. Uh, eight university faculty, eight community college, and they also are working on these maps so that if you know that you're majoring in biology, have a map and you could follow that map and you know that when you get to whatever university, you don't have to decide from the beginning. You can wait a couple years, which is honestly what our students do. They're not usually very certain until the end of their Shemekita career where they're going, that they can not lose credits, that it'll be the same everywhere. This is going to be slower unfolding. They're not moving at a pace that's going to get them done in less than 10 years, but maybe it will speed up. And I think it's showing promise already. Yeah. So less. Yes, Jessica. This may sound kind of like the way it's supposed to work, right? A student comes in, a student knows what to take, and everything's great. And even if they do transfer, this, these things should be kind of more or less, it's, it's yeah. like any map. You, you follow the map and you get to the destination. But you'd be shocked at how many students don't know what they're majoring in, particularly as the world of work is changing dramatically, right? Yeah. Um, and they don't know where they're going or they think they know where they're going. I mean, I remember talking to a student mm-hmm. who said, oh, yes, I'm going to the U of O. And I said, great. Well, two years later, the person said, yeah, I'm not going to the U of O. I'm going to Western. Well, now the courses that they took vary in terms of what precisely is required by the accepting institution. And so this then, this means you have to have absolute certitude around what you're, what you're majoring in and where you're going at the very start of a journey that is confusing, difficult to navigate, and for the first generation student, uh, why would we assume anything otherwise? It is an amazingly large problem. And in fact, I challenge you, Les Wilgus, I challenge you to find a student who has transferred and hasn't had extra All right, credits. I'll, I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the question I have is from long ago, it seemed like this wasn't a problem. Now, I guess it's a problem. So now, when did it get unraveled like it did? And that's question one. Number two is, if it's, um, this is just uh, Chemeketa and the college, the universities in Oregon, what about out of state? We can't solve that problem. No. <laughs> but, 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 okay, maybe not solve the problem, but is, is there an issue out of state also? Well, is, yeah. Yeah. When you say, you know, it's only, it wasn't a problem back in the day, I mm-hmm. would argue it probably was. But, but I have to tell you, it depends on the state you're in, in many cases, because we don't mm-hmm. have a state system. Yeah. Washington has an element of a state system. Places like New York that is a state system. Everything California. Is, yeah, they're very... So from the get-go, you have a central administration, a central curriculum office. That's not how we do things in Oregon, local control, yeah. anti-system approach to things. And so I think it, the conditions have exacerbated what 
what could have been a uh, at least a partial problem all along. What do you think, Tracy? Yeah, I think it might have been some drift over time. And that's the issue that, you know, OSU has been making the decisions for their biology students as they see fit. But then Portland State has a different philosophy and they've just kind of drifted away. Hmm. And the student has gotten lost in the process, I think, is very unfortunate. You know, we at Chemeket have a great privilege of seeing students become adults and seeing them change and find themselves. It's a very scary process. If you've ever seen an 18 and 19 and 20 year old unfold as a person, it's, it's, it's scary, but it's also very rewarding and they're going to change and, and they shouldn't have to go to college an extra year because they changed their mind at, at 19 or they decided instead of this one college, they want to I go just somewhere. didn't know. I mean, it wouldn't be something that I would be thinking about when I, you know, no, and students don't. So I yeah. feel like when I go to these meetings, I actually picture my students in my head. I think about that I'm speaking for them on an issue they don't even know about because it will help them. And it will allow them to be uncertain. And they don't have to decide too early where they're going for the wrong reasons. Um, and so I'm hoping that we can do it. I think it's had a very positive impact also in terms of higher ed people. We've got faculty talking from different colleges to each other. We didn't used to do that. We have faculty talking to administrators. And it feels like we're starting to slowly, slowly start working as a team for the students. And I think that's only re- going to reap dividends for the students, but also for the colleges that the people work at too. Well, and I think that um, it is also um, an effect of the overall declining enrollment of students because we all have to try harder. Everyone has to try harder to show the value of the college experience and realize that we have students who are going to need some help in getting to the place that maybe they don't even know where that is yet, right? I mean, yeah. literally, in terms of uh, higher education, yeah, institution, but also they don't know the career uh, options. They have no yes. idea what's out there for them. And um, and in many cases, their parents don't know, right? Because this is not the world our parents grew up in, number one. Number two, mm-hmm. a lot of these folks, their parents didn't go to college. So, you know, the guidance that you would expect uh, isn't necessarily going to be there. This is going to start then this fall. We this have 10 fall, classes. We'll, you have 10 classes that are now for sure, no matter where you go in Oregon, yes. it's, it's going to be counted. What's, what's the goal? I mean, I know you can't, let's just a, a general goal. I mean, there's going to be some things that are not transferable, obviously. But Yeah, you know. they have a list. We're working from a list of the 80 most transferred courses. Ah, okay. And so we're trying to get as many of them as we can. And so we're starting with the, the highest enrolled. And I think the goal is probably to get 50 or 60 of these. That might be enough. Um, and then um, it's working side by side with the idea of having the major transfer maps. So if we can have some similarity at the first two years and then we could get a, mat, a path easily for them to go to the colleges. And then the colleges can have different majors as they wish. We're just trying to make the first two years of college pretty predictable no matter where they go. And um, I think it makes it easier. It can be very hard to navigate catalogs and options. Universities have gotten many more courses and options and majors than 
any of us that are over 30 may have experienced, and it can be a little overwhelming. So I'm hoping it'll be easier and more predictable for them too. Yeah, and I think, you know, Tracy says something really important, which is, you know, we value and we respect the need for individual universities to customize the curriculum at the junior and senior level. That's a three and 400 level. But we see the immense practical and academic value of having that foundational approach to the first two years. And I will say more students that we can help transfer seamlessly without lost credit and without lost time Mm -hmm. means better enrollment for universities. It means more retention. And that's what everybody wants. Everyone wants the student to continue and everyone wants the student to succeed. The community has a stake in that. Uh, But then we're all helping each other as opposed to kind of doing our own thing in our own corners and, like you say, losing the student, which is never what we're supposed to do. I think most of our Chemeketa students are going to stay here in the Salem area. They're our future, their future of this area. And so the more that we can make sure that they can get to their educational goals, I think the better for all of us, the better for our community. Did you get any uh, history courses on, on, in this History p- isn't on the list. Oh, sadly. no. A lot of math <laughs> and a lot of writing, but um, maybe maybe in the future. It is on the list of the 80 most transferred okay. courses. So then you'll meet maybe, uh, so you have a set for this fall, then maybe... Yeah, about you know. 10 next year already, almost done, and then they're going to start creating subcommittees for another 10 for the next year. And it's starting to get momentum, and I, that's exciting. I think it's going to help a lot of students in the future. Looking forward to it. What do you think will be the first history course that might be up for this kind of common course numbering we have a u.s history survey series and that's probably what will be a lot of students take that (laughs) well i think it has been absolutely awesome talking with you tracy and i'd love to have you come back and talk more about paul revere and all the good things (laughs) that uh that we learned in history class and all the lessons and implications (laughs) for that for our modern world seriously it's been wonderful having you okay and, I've enjoyed uh, being here. Thanks for inviting me. You bet. Thank you. If any of our listeners have any questions about what we've just covered or comments about today's show, please write to us at chatter at chemeketa.edu and we'll answer your questions through email or on an upcoming show. Time for a break, but we'll be right back to talk about how Chemeketa and his graduates are impacting our local economy. Stay tuned. Are you ready for a fast-growing, entry-level job in the medical field? A medical assisting certificate from Chemeketa Community College will help you get started. Medical assistants provide a wide range of services interacting with patients and assisting healthcare professionals. The application deadline has been extended, so apply today at go.chemeketa.edu slash medassistant. Welcome back to Chatting with Chemeketa. Joining us now is Chemeketa's Director of Institutional Research and Reporting, Colton Christian. Welcome to the show, Colton. Hello. Thanks for inviting me to be a part of the show today. I'm glad to be here and happy to talk more about uh, Chemeketa data today. Well, nice to have you. Uh, Colton, that's a pretty impressive job title. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, great question. So uh, as you probably know, uh, data... Um, collected by organizations has sort of skyrocketed over the past 5, 10, 20 years. Um, And colleges and universities are no exception to that. Um, So they have the same increase in uh, data storage and data collection, and they need someone to 
analyze it and to um, make information out of it uh, so that that information can be used uh, to make decisions that will help students and help push the college forward. Uh, so I'm, I'm that person. Um, so I work with all of the data or most of the data at the institution. Give, just give yeah. me an example. I mean, you know, a friend of mine, for instance, he asks him what he does. He says, I work with big data. Okay, great. I'm sure you know what that means. But so maybe you can explain a little bit what data, you know, I mean, some, some, uh, something that's a little bit more tangible for the rest of us. Yeah, absolutely. So colleges collect data from the moment that a student applies all the way through while they're here. Uh, so the grades that they get in their courses, their attendance, um, their retention. So whether they're enrolled in uh, a given fall, checking to see whether they're enrolled in the next fall, uh, seeing how often they graduate, how long it takes them to graduate, all of these uh, metrics that point to their success. Um, so did they eventually enroll after they applied? So that's like the first step. Did okay. they get through that piece of the funnel? And if they did, great. That's good for us. That's good for them. They're on their way to a degree. What is their success rate in courses? So are they passing their courses? That's important because you need to pass courses to, to graduate. Yeah, it helps, um, right? <laughs> yeah. How are they accumulating credits? So at the end of their first year, do they have 36, 45 credits? Are they hitting milestones that will um, sort of get them to the end, get them to a degree? And then ultimately, uh, we want to see, did they make it to the end? Did they earn a certificate? Did they earn a degree? Because that's what's going to uh, help them make money, uh, increase their earnings later on down the road. I think this is also, you know, absolutely critical for us to know if we are meeting our mission as an institution. Because if we don't measure how we're doing, which, again, there are different ways to measure that, but then we don't know if we're making progress or how to improve. Uh, we don't have necessarily strategies aligned to those measurements. And so when we think about all the things that we do as an institution, and they all boil down to the student, but if the student is successful, then the community reaps the benefit in terms of economics, in terms of social contribution, all kinds of things. So having the information is important for us to tell our story. It's something that I think all institutions have worked hard over the last maybe 15, 20 years, 20 years probably, to get a lot better at that. Because uh, if you're not careful, you just kind of get in your world and you continue to do what you're doing and uh, you assume everything is going well. But it's it's difficult to to measure your progress. And so that's where I think there's a big function for data in understanding that at the institutional level. Right, yeah. So mission fulfillment, I think, is one big area. And then the sort of less fun areas of this role are the um, federal reporting and state reporting there they're must-haves you need them that's how you that's how <laughs> it you does get. sound less fun yeah, yeah. but the mission full mission fulfillment piece the um, ad hoc data request things like that um, tend to be the uh, more exciting more interesting things um, because you get to see are we are we meeting our mission uh, and if not um, what can we do uh, to, to change that to change our tra uh, trajectory and then once we make a change is that change working so we decided we're gonna do uh, this intervention, uh, we can look a year later on and see, did that intervention work? When you say I'm going to change something, change something as far as what, or an intervention. I mean, yeah, it yeah, so, yeah. Exactly. It sounds so, you know, yeah. I mean, drug intervention or something. No. Yeah, but uh, but uh, you're saying that it changed in the course or? or um, it could be anything. It yeah. could be a mm -hmm. policy, like, you know, what's your drop policy? It could have something to do with when you have to pay. Common course numbering. Uh, major Absolutely. transfer maps. Well, um, at co-requisites, co right? So if a student needs a support course, a student okay. who, let's say a you have a Spanish-speaking uh, student and um, they're so an English as a second language learner, 
will they do a lot better, a little better, no better at all? What, 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 would, what does it mean to have a support course that is focused in, say, Spanish around the major terminology of the other course? That's kind of a, that's a type of intervention. Sure. And we don't just try these things willy-nilly. We look at best practices and scholarship and all kinds of things, and we're trying to learn from each other all the time. But, so we try to do things. We're always trying to help the student do even better. So this happens then between sessions or something like that, uh, right? I mean, you're not going to do it in the middle of one, right? Uh, probably not. But but again, but you, but you think about the course level, right? Yeah. If mm-hmm. faculty have data that they can use, then they can they can in make a shift in the middle of yeah, in the middle okay. of a term. And they right. can you know, yeah. and uh, it, it of course would depend on what they're getting data around. But it could be something as simple as I mean, I've heard that. If a student is behind in um, a gateway math course at the end of the second week, it's very, very hard to recover, as opposed to if you knew they were behind in the first week, because that's a cumulative kind of progression, that kind of thing can be really powerful. So how do, how do you then interact with, do you, do you interact, let's say, with Jessica, do you, um, or do you, with different departments, or everybody, or, you know? Yeah, great question. So first step is you collect the data. So that might be from staff, that might be from students, or that might be from our systems. Um, and then once that's done, you clean the data, um, analyze it, aggregate it, and then you have to package it for whoever your audience is. And so that very often is Jessica. Uh, okay. It might be the Chemeketa um, Board of Board of Education. I think that's what you call it, the, the Chemeketa Board. Yep. Uh, it could be program chairs, faculty members, um, internally. And then I think there's another bucket, which we talked about a little bit before, which is packaging it for external stakeholders. So federal government, state government, sure. uh, people that have provided us with grants, um, different things like that. And in each case, you need to get it into a digestible format for whatever that audience is. Um, so that might be graphs, that might be tables, um, that might be a dashboard. It just depends on who the audience is and what they've asked for, what's going to allow them to use the data most effectively to, to make decisions. Okay. And we have, also we have certain processes that require data in them, like uh, we have program review. Every single program does its own sort of self-study, and there are metrics that they use to say, this is where we want to work on, and this is where we want to improve, and there's a whole cycle around that and a series of expectations around that, but the data has to be there to know kind of where you're at and what you want to do. And then our accrediting body uh, is... Uh, very important to us because we are accredited and we want to always be accredited Stay. and uh, and they they require us to measure ourselves and measure mission fulfillment and use data as an institution to try to get better but speaking to the to the question around external audiences Colton didn't we just have an economic impact study uh, basically done for Shemekeda and can you share a little bit about that yeah, absolutely. So the economic impact study was a study that was, I think, initiated by Oregon President's Council, but correct me if I'm wrong there. It's true. It's true. Um, and so with that economic impact study, there was a, a labor market analytics company that was hired called Lightcast. And Lightcast uh, conducted a economic impact and an investment impact or analysis study for each of the 17 community colleges uh, while also being able to provide a statewide perspective. Probably the first thing to unpack there is what we mean by economic impact. And so for economic impact, what we're talking about uh, is a change in income 
in a given region. So you can think about it as uh, like gross domestic product, but for a region. So they, they call it a gross regional product. And so the increase in that, um, that a given community college provides. For economic impact, it can be broken out into different sort of components, uh, not to get too far down into the weeds, but there's the initial impact. And so that's the amount or the, the impact that comes from the initial spending. And so uh, Chemeketa pays out salaries, they pay out wages, uh, they purchase things, uh, they pay out benefits, different things like that. Mm-hmm. That initial initial spending of money creates an impact in the community because you're spending a lot of that money in the community. You're paying people that live in the region, you're buying things from the region, so on and so forth. Then there's a second effect that is included called the multiplier effect. And so what this is, is basically once all that money's out in the universe, or out in the universe, um, the people that have gotten wages, that have gotten benefits, go and spend money again. Uh, so okay. uh, Chemeketa staff and faculty take the money that they've earned, they go to the grocery store. Um, they go buy a car, they pay rent, they do different things like that. And then there's another piece where the grocery store needs to buy product from a supplier or a distributor. And so the initial and the multiplier effect are combined to get the total sort of economic impact that Chemeketa has in the region. Okay. There's this other view which has to do with the impact of educating our students. So every student that we touch that comes to the college and takes at least one course, what is the impact of that out in the community? How much better able are they to get jobs, better paying jobs, right? Uh, how much... Um, and, and so that that's a direct economic impact as well. Sure. And then you have these other impacts that are a little less, I guess, tangible in terms of the economy, but have to do with the impact of education on individuals tends to mean that they need fewer social services, tends to mean that they're more engaged in civic life, sure. tends to yeah. mean that they live healthier lives, tends to mean, you know, it's all of these things. And so this study, am I right, Colton, it kind of takes into account all of those factors. Yeah, so I think some of the stuff uh, you were mentioning comes in on the investment impact side. So on the economic impact side, um, I don't think the social savings are there. Yeah, that's on the other side. Uh, But at least on the economic impact side, um, just to give you an overview, uh, Chemeketa added $832 million in income uh, to the district's economy. And so this is equal to 3% of the region's total gross regional product. So that's that's huge. So so, give me that again. What was that? Three... $832 $832 million. It represents 3% of the gross regional product. 3%, basically. okay. All right. And then it can be broken out. So you have the operations piece, so that's the payroll and the wages and the benefits, stuff like that. That's $88.1 million of the total. Um, you can look at students, and that's $14.4 million. And so the student piece is just based on students that um, we attracted from outside the region. Or that okay. stayed in the region because Chemeketa was here. Ah, okay. So it's not mm-hmm. all the spending that students are doing. It's the spending of the students that we attracted or, or retained that may have gone elsewhere if Chemeketa wasn't here. And then the largest contributor is the alumni. And so Jessica had mentioned that, which is that people come here, uh, students come here, and they, they earn credits, they earn degrees, they earn certificates, and those certificates add value, um, mm-hmm. both in terms of income to the student but then also in terms of productivity, uh, having a skilled labor workforce in the community, uh, so on and so forth, that then work as multipliers to um, increase the business's income, uh, to increase the student's income, to increase uh, 
efficiency, different things like that. And to just have uh, markets that you wouldn't be able to have or companies that you wouldn't be able to have if you didn't have a skilled workforce in the region. Well, that's a tough thing to, to put all those pieces together, though, I would think. You know, I mean, there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of um, parts to it. But, yeah, it's interesting, though. So, Colton, I know that there's a return on investment for getting an associate's degree over a high school diploma. Um, and maybe that takes into account just this economic piece. But can you speak to that? And then, of course, the numbers on the other side of the equation? Yeah. So thinking about the benefit to cost ratio. So um, how much more a student's going to make or uh, versus the cost of the tuition. So from the student's perspective, the benefit cost ratio is $8.50. Um, so this means that for every dollar that students spend on tuition, fees, books, and supplies, and every dollar that's not earned due to the time spent on education rather than working, so all of those costs, students receive $8.50 in return. Uh, that's nice. And so it's primarily due to the increase in lifetime earnings that students enjoy as a result of the skills that they earn, uh, that they attained from Chemeketa during the, during the year. So Colton, I know that the clock is ticking. We don't have endless time today, although I wish we did because this is a great conversation. What is the most impressive figure that's come out of this report from your perspective? I honestly think the one that I just mentioned. So the students That's return on investment, one. it's it's huge. Yeah. Uh, eight, I mean, an eight dollar and fifty cent return on on a dollar uh, is pretty striking. That's amazing. Nice. So understanding Chemeketa's data and how our students impact the local economy in such an amazing way, really, uh, it's so important. And I'm so happy, Colton, that you were here to come on the show today and share this great information. Yeah, I'm was happy to be here. Happy to share that data. So thanks for inviting me, and I. Uh, Look forward to talking more in the future. You bet. And for our listeners, if you want to know more about what you've just heard, be sure to email us at chatter at chemeketa.edu. You can also send us comments about the show or suggestions for future topics. And once again, our half hour together has come to an end. But don't worry, we'll be back with more great stories and information in upcoming episodes. Same chat time, same chat channel for Chatting with Chemeketa. I'm Les Wilgus. And I'm Jessica Howard. Bye. Bye.